You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1104, and it's going to be a good one. Trust me, real leaders are activist leaders. They activate conditions for transformational winning to occur for everyone across the spectrum. I've invited J. Stephen Levin uh, of Win Thinking to join us with more about how he's helping high performers achieve more of what they want while finding a balance in personal and professional success. Welcome to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Jay. Thank you, Richard. A pleasure, and I am envious at the ghost at the outset. I wish I had that kind of radio voice. Well, there you go. You think you might? It just comes <laughs> natural. Let's start uh, with a interest. Do you have an interesting story that might set context for who you are as an entrepreneur? Hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. <clears throat> the one that comes to mind is <clears throat> I have a real interesting background. I started as a monk and lived in a forest monastery on and off for over 20 years. And it, I traveled around the world teaching yoga, meditation, and emotional intelligence before it was known as emotional intelligence wow. to executives all around Europe. Uh-huh. And the interesting thing that I learned about learning is learning is super sensorial. It happens on a number of different levels. And I learned that when I found people telling me in a retreat that I was leading in Italy that through a translator, they had never felt so understood before as they did with me. The only thing they didn't think through was I had absolutely no idea what they were saying. Right. Because I hadn't gotten my Italian skills for speaking. (laughs) So I realized that the less focused I was on the content, the more focused I was on understanding at different levels and my ability to hear behind the content not only enabled me to see different things they were talking about more clearly, Mm -hmm. but enabled them to feel more secure and open and that I was more engaged and that I thought was very interesting it really turned my head around so did you have all that knowledge enlightenment in the moment or was that something as you thought back on that situation sort of it came to you gradually no when she said when people kept saying you're such a good listener I started first thinking well of course I'm not going to speak because I don't want to sound like an idiot right but then they kept saying it over and over you understand you understand and I realized, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be making a joke of this. Mm. Maybe I'm understanding more because I'm listening less to the content and more to intuitionally, super sensorial, okay. what I also call high-definition knowing. And is that important for a leader? Yes. How? Well, there's all this talk about emotional intelligence, not only in the workplace, but yeah. in terms of budgets. And one of the big areas of emotional intelligence is empathy. And empathetic leaders uh, can exercise power positionally, but they can't exercise power influentially Mm -hmm. unless they have developed their empathetic capacity. Um, Do you believe in active learning? I mean, have you taught or worked with people who practice active learning? No, I'm not familiar with the term. Okay, then we won't talk about it. Let's talk about you, though, and what (laughs) you do. How's that? An honest man, ladies and gentlemen. Ring the gong, Paul Roberts. We like a gong ringing here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Let's talk about what you do. In the open, I said you help high performers achieve more of what they're finding and want, including balance in their life. What is it you do and what makes you unique at what you do, Jay? 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, the, what I think makes me unique is not based on what I think, but what I'm told, which is when you're a high achiever, you achieve more. But the more you achieve, the more you want, especially if your identity and self sense of self is caught up with what you have. Yes. The more you have, the, the more you need to have. Okay. And so I work with people who I call activist leaders. They've arrived at a point in their career where they realize that driving profitable initiatives alone and profitable objectives only is not enough that they need to create conditions in which and through which success occurs not only through profit and uh -huh. not only through processes but also through people okay. and many of these leaders because they're known as drivers they're afraid to come out so to speak of the closet because they think the soft skills are really not going to be richly received although they want to work across the soft skill and develop people okay. their people want it but they have biases against it because they're known as the doers. Yeah, the results-oriented bottom The results-oriented. Yeah. So this is a, a horizon for them to be able to balance their talent contribution by not only understanding how to do things, not only explaining how to do things, but understanding how people work and how to work through them and scale work accordingly. So how do you introduce the concept of uh, emotional intelligence, as you use the term soft skills, to a high performer who's historically not been wired that way? Well, that's my unique demographic okay. approach. Okay. If, if, they, if they don't have the capacity for understanding the, the ability and the potential for behavioral operational and emotional intelligence and there's a big huh what really uh -huh. I'll say you know what I'm not your person okay. or we're not your person as a company okay but this is when thinking this is when thinking so for me if a leader understands it's not only about operational intelligence system thinking and system intelligence but they they need to have a better understanding and grip on behavioral and emotional intelligence then we look at what do you need how, how would you like that expressed? What is it holding you back from? And as am amazing as it is to me, companies worldwide that I would never have thought uh -huh. to be associated with wanting emotional intelligence, sorry for the bias, but imagine hardcore German enterprise companies that sell connectivity products. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think, but yeah, right. they say, you know what? We want a program of emotional intelligence for our people to be able to lead better. Okay. I'm not creating that. They're asking for it. Where's that coming from? Right. Because the more moving parts a company has in terms of people, the more problems they occur. And dealing with projects and processes don't solve people problems. Right. Therefore, the budgets for small businesses, whether they're 20 people or they're 20,000 people, they're spending more money and energy and focus on how to develop behavioral as well as operational, as well as emotional intelligence. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking too that part of the benefit of having millennials coming into the workforce is this need to be more emotionally intelligent about how we lead, how to show up, you know, transparent, authentic, vulnerable, being willing to demonstrate leadership qualities that maybe the two previous cohorts uh, didn't really value as much because we weren't uh, raised that way. But I think the millennials look for that in a leader and identify more with that type of culture. Absolutely, and as a matter of fact, I think that's the key, values. 
because when you're trying to manage successfully projects moving forward and activities that move project forward, the only thing you can really control and the only thing you can really manage is behavior. Yes. And you can't manage behavior until you understand values. So a leader, emotionally intelligent leader, is self-aware. They understand their values and they look to understand empathetically what the values are of others to work with that. It's kind of mm -hmm. like jujitsu, right? Yeah, well, we were talking about culture. I was interviewed on a, uh, on this platform on an earlier show, and we talked a lot because uh, about culture, and and that's kind of what we're touching on. But we have to stop the interview right now because <gasps> the engineer told me it's time for our one and short and only commercial break. So our loyal listeners know it's like 30 seconds. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to talk about the fact that you are a Forbes regular contributor. Are you open to having that conversation? Who told you about I found that? you online, baby. I can't. I saw one of you. You're the coaches council for Forbes. So anyway, don't go to where you don't you don't want to miss the second part of this interview with J. Stephen Stephen Levin after this word from me. Best-selling author Richard Franzi's written what Marshall Goldsmith has called an incredibly poignant foray into the realm of unintended consequences of executives' decisions. In Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, Richard Franzi takes a close look at the impact of unintended consequences on business performance and employee engagement. Through the retelling of the experiences of executives at Pepsi, Wells Fargo, Kodak, Volkswagen, and many others, Richard paints a compelling real-world account for how executives leading firms of all sizes must do a better job of anticipating and controlling the outcomes of their strategic business decisions. Killing Cats Leads to Rats is available through major bookstores in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. To learn more, visit www.richardfranzi.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Uh, let's see, J. Stephen Levin is our 1,416th radio show guest here on the platform. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, hundreds of former guest websites whose CEOs have been on our show. You know, since we started the show in 2009, we've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through the live stream here on octalkradio.net, the live YouTube or the live Facebook uh, video that turns into a YouTube, as well as the other podcasting platforms that we use. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software to get these automatic updates of wonderful guests. All right, before the break, I said I was going to ask you to talk about the fact that you're a Forbes regular contributor and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. I saw one of your recent articles and you wrote about the importance of having an accountability partner for CEOs. Can you explain a little bit more about this concept? Yes. Good. The accountability partner is because there's a particular situation. It's a, it's a condition of being a leader, whether you're a CEO or a president, or whether you're a family owner, or whether you are in charge of a division, or whether you lead a multinational enterprise. It is lonely at the top. That's true. And when it's lonely at the top, and you know that not everybody around you understands where your perspective is, but everybody around you wants something from you. Right. 
then it's hard when you have those conditions being placed on you to have something that's reliable that has no external agenda to hold you accountable mm. so that that loneliness doesn't become a biased filter and you are accountable only to yourself and maybe miss what you might have not missed if you had someone make sure that they were so to speak riding fence right so it's just good practice and how who would you suggest or how would you suggest a business owner someone who may be listening to the show today or in the future what, what kind of what's a good accountability part ability partner for a ceo of a company or a business owner well there's a number of that's a great question how do you know who when you've got one right uh, first there's respect because it doesn't matter what their title, position, or creds are, credentials. It's do you do you resonate? Is there a sense of respect? Number one, and is the person somebody that is going to hold respectively your feet to the fire? Mm -hmm. In the past, I was associated with Vistage, and they have a great word that they made up. I just wish I had made it up. Okay, and it's called being carefrontational. Oh. So. Finding somebody who's carefrontational, who's going to, out of respect, take the accountability seriously and narrow cast what you're doing in time so that it's smart focused, like Dale Carnegie had mentioned over 40 years ago. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time focused. Mm -hmm. Smart. I don't think I could have said that better. There you go. You just <laughs> did. Uh, so anyway, that's that's great. And I encourage people who maybe read Forbes or go to the Forbes website to look for your columns. I find them Thank insightful. You. So uh, as your firm continues to grow and expand, how do you make sure that you're nimble in your thoughts and actions as a, as a leader of a company? What, what advice maybe also do you give to the CEOs that you work with to ensure that, you know, the bureaucracy and the rigidity of a company, the policies and procedures don't bind them so much that they lose that ability to be flexible, nimble, and responsive? Yeah, one of the, good question, uh, one, of the, one of the best ways that I find to do that from a practical point of view is, do you have a culture that's, that asks questions? Do you support curiosity? Is it a telling culture or an asking culture? Are people forward thinking with regard to different approaches? Is there a flex flexibility? Is there a resilience? Or is it a fail forward company or a fearful company? Mm. And what are you doing around you to understand the points of view of those around you? Are you relying on the superior mind that you've got? and your own big brain just because you're the big cheese right there's holes that's a in lot of that pressure. that's a lot of pressure that's a lot right. of pressure. i think the room that's yeah. that's difficult but when you're lonely at the top regardless the size of your company right. you think they don't know what i know therefore i know more than they do or they well, expect me to know this and i better figure it out or fake it yes so if we don't develop cultures that are positively rich in feedback then we become hardened mm-hmm and being able to have a culture that is and promotes and stimulates curiosity and asking questions leads to discovery and it keeps different alternative perspectives and approaches fresh otherwise great problem solvers are good at solving problems until they solve a problem in the same way when it's a different problem for mm. example one person i worked with expressed it eloquently they said, I am a problem solver, known for it. That's how I generate revenue for myself, my team, and my company. And 
I said, so why are we here? He said, I made a problem-solving mistake. Mm. And I said, explain it to me. And this is what he said, and it knocked me off my feet. He said, I am a problem-solver that puts out fires. And I always put them out in the same way, and it always works until one day when instead of throwing water on it, as I usually do, it turned out to be an electrical fire. Mm. But I didn't realize it, so I threw water on it. So we need fresh ways to approach different problems because you can't continue doing what you've always done right. and expect to have it being done differently. Exactly. So open-mindedness. You know, there. if that's... Okay, so there's a teachable moment here on Critical Mass Radio Show, and Jay just gave it to us, and that is this concept of curiosity. I, I, you know, I'm feeling like I'm into better something. Well, I'm right, taking you back to your roots, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want you to feel comfortable here in the studio. Oh, I mean, I'm right there. He's there. See? I don't even know where that gong came from. Right, it's just the heavens. It's, it's celestial. It's meant to be. So I think a universal quality of, you know, Peter Senge talks about learning organizations, right? And the ability of whole... Co it, companies tend to become rigid in their thinking, and they it it's counter to growth to have an open learning company and that's what you have to, as a leader you have to fight for and i'll see your peter senge yes. and touche you one if i may sir yeah, sure. if you're not open-minded and don't develop and stimulate cultures that thrive on curiosity and discovery and, and and approaches that are new not just for the sake of new you tend to get hard and when you get hard you tend to push and peter senge as you very well know says what pushes pushes back mm. Or what is pushed, pushes back. Right. You know, that's 5,000-year-old Taoist stuff. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, if you are, as a company owner, facing pushback from your people, you got to take a look at that. Right. There's got to be a reason for that. Right. You, it can't just be because of external forces. Right. right? You know, you got to put yourself in the picture. Yes. If you want to look up his book, it's S-E-N-G-E, -E, and it's the fifth discipline. Yes, it is. That's the book that we're talking about. So you may, you may, it's a classic. A classic. Speaking of another classic, we only have a few minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, but author Michael Gerber, classic, E-Myth and E-Myth re Revisited, said that uh, leaders should spend time working on their business, not just in their business. So when you work with clients, coach and help executives, how do you teach them to learn to work on their business rather than every day just in the business? What advice? I suggest a couple things. First of all, if you're handling operations, that's the work of today. And if you're in a leadership position, you're not working on today, you're working on tomorrow. And therefore, if you're not working on tomorrow, it's because the people are, that you're supposed to be working in operations to drive business today aren't doing what they're doing. Whose fault is that? Right. So working on the business second requires think through something that we don't have time for. It's sitting down and figuring out how do things need to come together to fit together? How do things need to fit together to come together for the tomorrow, for the future? If you're not spending time and planning in solitude as a business leader, there's something seriously wrong. So there was a Harvard Business Review article, and they surveyed 185 middle market CEOs, people like listen to this radio show across the country, and they found that on average those CEOs spent less than three hours a month thinking about the strategic future of their company. And I will say, if the CEO and business owner isn't spending time away from the business planning the corporate, the company's future, nobody else will be. That's their job. Exactly. Just what you just said. A exactly. And, and three hours a month, less than three, I don't know what you can get done in three hours a here's, month. Here's what you should be doing, but nobody will do it because it's exaggerated. 
we all know the 80-20 rule, yes. right? So I won't even go into that. But if you apply the 80-20 rule to planning and, and, and think through, then even if you work a 40-hour week, which who works 40 hours a week? I haven't worked since 40-hour week since I was in kindergarten. Uh -huh. um, then that would be eight hours a week in planning and solitude, 20%, mm -hmm. right? right? So the point is get up when your family doesn't, stay up when your family goes to bed, find time to take a walk or do something in some situation where you can elevate and not be distracted by all the things that are nagging at you and interrupting you so that you can think it through because your job based on your being the leader is to develop your culture create the investments you need bring professionals in around you to scale up the business but work on tomorrow right. if you're not spending time in solitude and planning it's not going to happen it's not going to happen you you're can't do it on a run just because you're a hot shot yeah you're like a mouse in one of those wheels just keeps running and running running and running and somebody i know wrote a book about cats cats and rats uh, it's called killing cats leads to rats it's in every bookstore amazon.com you should really check it out anyway that was a shameful plug last time okay the i led you right into it thank though. you uh can you share your core philosophy that you use to both lead and grow when thinking, but also as you kind of try to enculturate the CEOs and business owners that you work with? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's not brain science. Uh, everybody likes to eat at some point when they were a kid, pancakes. If pancakes are values, you just got to stack them. Because mm. when you understand how your values are stacked like pancakes and you live according to, to those, then you have a guiding principle. Whatever it is, that becomes a North Star. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to be one, or they can be fundamental ones. Live outside of that, you're running too fast. Right. Okay. I'm sorry I don't have time to follow up on that because I am out of time here on this program, but I can't let you go without asking. If someone wants to get in touch with you, how do they learn about what you do, Jay? Thank you. You can go to winthinking.com. How would I spell that? I always thought you were a good speller. No. W-I-N-T-H-I-N-K. Ing.com, okay. or you can look, go to um, J. Stephen Levin on LinkedIn, or look me up on Twitter. How do you spell Levin? L E V I N. All right, I got the other two. Thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass community. I've been looking forward to having you on the program for quite some time. You thank did you. not disappoint. Thank you. I'm happy to be a part of the Mass. All right, there we go. And I'd also like to thank our engineer for today's show, none other than Paul Roberts, our producers without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park. Crystal Nunley and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, why don't we start with LinkedIn? I'm Richard Franzi, F R A N Z I. As we mentioned just a few minutes ago, my latest book, Killing Cats Leads to Rats Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, is now available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other fine booksellers. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.